Welcome to the Iron Skies Podcast. I'm your host, Tony. In today's episode, we are going to interview Giuseppe Santangelo, who is the founder and CEO of Skypersonic Inc. He's also responsible for the development and projects on behalf of the European Space Agency. And he also has publications in space and control systems in which he was awarded from NASA for the ISS review in 2003. Before we get into that, make sure you check us out on YouTube, follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Dr. Giuseppe Santangelo. He is the CEO of Skypersonic. He's going to talk to us today about himself and his business. Yes, thank you very much, uh, Tony. To, uh, I'm very happy to be here with you uh, and um, doing this together. Uh, you know, myself. So basically, I, I'm a person that decided to leave his own country to embrace the United States. Now I'm a US, you know, but uh, I, and then I, my story very quickly starts in Italy, in Torino, where I started to work in, in an aerospace market because I, I was an, an employee in um, computational flight dynamics for aerospace and space and environment. Then from there, I grew up up to working with the larger corporation. Uh, I, I became a CEO of, a, of an engineering company in Italy with a kind of a mid-size, a kind of a thousand of employees. And then, uh, then I decided to have more. And then I came in the United States uh, uh, to manage one of the branch of uh, our group. And then I decided to start my own company, which is Skypersonic. Uh, so in, 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 in briefly, this is my story. So what, just curious, what company did you start at in Italy? And, and you know, do you mind with telling us like where, where you lived in Italy? What city exactly? Yes, I, you know, I, uh, it's very, when I was a kid, like every person that loved technology, I used to dream to become an important engineer in a large corporation or working for NASA or something like that, right? So, and the aerospace was my target. So after my graduation, I am a mechanical engineer and then I studied aerospace engineering as well. I, I, I got a job with the... With the um, Thales Alenia Space, which is part of the space compartment in Europe. Um, and I live in Torino. Torino is a, 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 a motor city, let's say, in Italy, because uh, it's the, the house of Fiat. Uh, so I, I worked there for 13 years. Um, uh, and then uh, during that time, my 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 interest moved from just the technology uh, up to the management and to business development. So I joined a, a French company. I did uh, a, um, an MBA in business administration in France. And then I started to work as a, as a business director, always connected wow. between Italy and France. Um, then after a while, the, the, the feeling of the technology was too strong for me. I, I wanted to be back in the technology and not only in the business development. So I got a great opportunity. There, were, there, there was a small company named Tioresi in, in Torino, about 26 employees that was in trouble. Uh, they needed to change their business model. 
and I told, and, and the owner, I, I met the owner. Um, basically, uh, uh, um, the story there was that I, I wanted to be back in the technology. I got a job with the Swedish Space Corporation to manage all the uh, orbital altitude control group in, in Sweden. But my wife didn't want to go in Sweden. So they uh-huh. asked a friend on help, say, hey, my, my husband is, we are going in Sweden. We don't want to go there. It's too cold there. So, <laughs> so, and this guy said, oh, there is a small company. Maybe he could be interested to lead this company uh, in the technology as a CEO. So they offered this position as a CEO of this company. It was my first time as a CEO. And the company was a big troubles in terms of uh, business model. So I, the company was an engineering technology company, providing uh, engineering for aerospace and automotive. So I started there. Was a, I would say the first year was a disaster because the company was really close to the bankruptcy. So I said, oh, my, my career is finishing here, uh, just starting. But, you know, when the situation is super difficult in many companies, a new sentiment starts, the sentiment of the survival. So... We want to stay alive. We want to. We want to win, even the situation is so difficult. So I was able to infuse in my employees and my colleagues the the dream, the the, the you know the, the willing to win, the willing to go forward, and we were able to to change the situation. And from 27 employees with a million and five hundred thousand of of debts, wow. we went to to break even in a year, and we grow up to 80 employees. And that was a, a good moment because we learned that we could do if we want. And so we keep growing, growing, growing. And after two or three years, uh, we, we grow up to a couple hundred employees. And then we, we, we thought to open a new branch in the United States because we were working for Fiat and say, um. OK. And, and then uh, in my board, we decided who's going to go there? To handle the company, I said I'll go just for a couple of years, so just to start the the, the wheels and so forth, uh, because you know it's important that the CEO is present there. So I, I came in Detroit just to start the company, uh, since the, the other part of the group was working very well. So uh, and then I started the company here uh, uh, in a couple of years. Uh, so I, I came in the states in 2010, and then in a couple of years, uh, Theoresi. Inc. Um, uh, got about uh, 20 employees, more or less. So good, good situation. And then that was the moment, say, I want to do something different. I don't want to keep doing this because, you know, uh, it's, I, I have something inside me that uh, feeling, this is America. This is the dreamer place. You can do whatever you want if you want. Mm-hmm. So let's do something that I, I, I love. So I, I included in my business thinking the love so loving what you what you want to do because i i didn't love what i was doing i didn't love that that kind of business model it was okay i i i like it but it was not not my my interest my interest was always in aerospace so i said okay what i want to do uh, and i said i want to create now don't laugh please because it's no, the no. dream to be but i created <laughs> i i thought we want to create a suborbital, suborbital commercial um, uh, flight, intercontinental, transoceanic. So go from New York to Rome in an hour, take uh, you know, a business trip, and then come back in the same day. So let's build 
a, a concept like that. It's called space plane or whatever. You, you, and there are many, many, many companies that are thinking that, you know, the, the, the only example of a very short flight time uh, intercontinental was the Concorde that not anymore available. So we had this idea. I met uh, an important director of, uh, of uh, SpaceX. And then we started to think, okay, let's create a company together. So I quit from my job and I created the, a company that to fly in the sky in hypersonic flight. So I call sky hypersonic. So sky hypersonic. A sky hypersonic was the original uh, mm. incorporation of the company for this target to build a plane that can go from New York to Rome in an hour. So like supersonic speed. So you're hypersonic. Hypersonic, hypersonic really, speed. Hypersonic speed, because basically you are going to reach the orbit and come back immediately. It's a ballistic movement, so you you accelerate to the point that you are going kind of to get to the catch the orbit, uh, wow. kind of the same velocity, and but come back. So that is the, the approach. In this case, uh, what are top speeds? Sorry, uh, you can get up to twenty uh, Mach. So twenty wow. times the speed of flight of, of the of the of the sound. Uh, in this case, you can uh, lower the the flight time from now seven hours to one hours, one hour all included, uh, just for few passengers. And so we started to study that. We started to study the aerodynamics, the thing, but was a, a general project, and we didn't have too much investment. We were looking for. A lot of money to in, in, include in this. So I, I found some astronauts able to become their their testimonial of this. So well, it was a, a great a great idea, but I realized that it was maybe too much. Uh, and then uh, you know I said uh, that the, my partner was working at the, at the SpaceX, uh, got a job as a president of uh, of uh, of a um, satellite company. And then, uh, and and to keep working, that sense, I should go in California. I didn't want my family was here. My kids was raising in Detroit. I love this place, Michigan. I didn't want to leave Michigan. So uh, mm. at that point, I decided, okay, I will keep all the company by myself, and I will change the the business uh, target. And the idea that I got to say, let's concentrate on drones. That was in back in 2014. Uh, so 2014. Uh, the company was in my hands. I already quit from the, the previous company. And then I, I wanted to build something completely new. And the idea was, let's fly indoor. So I, I saw the drones and, and they said the drones are, for me, was kind of scaring because they, the propeller are exposed. They say, if I, if I put a drone in a cage, in a ball, I can have a ball drone. The drone can roll, roll and at the same time can fly, something like that. And then you remember, very big at that time, I was teaching at the at the, at the Wayne State University, also. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then I decided to start the concept of that. The company started. I created the spherocopter, <laughs> which is a drone in a cage for uh, um, educational. So I was able to build kits for students, high school student or university college student. Uh, able to know this technology, how to build a drone, how to create a flyboard, how to connect the ESC and all the other uh, electronic stuff inside. And the, uh, the business was doing good in the sense that we were selling in multiple schools. 
we sold up to 300 units, 300 kits, but the cost of that, the, the revenue coming from that was really low. And I couldn't afford all the engineers and the people. So I, then after a year, I decided to swap to an industrial market to, to build a drone that could really achieve impossible place. Uh, 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 um, inspect the impossible was our mantra. So let's go where it's impossible to go with human means uh, nuclear nuclear plants or inside the sewage or uh, mm. boilers or any nasty place that you don't want to go, but you have to go for inspection. Uh, so we created, now we changed the name of the drone that we call Skycopter uh, because the company is Skypersonic. And then we, we started to build the first unit to fly indoor. And I got the first customer in UK, and that was in 2017, I believe, the first uh, uh, wow. drone for inspection. I shipped the drone, the customer was super, super mad. It, it didn't like, the drone was super immature still to mm. work on that, it was a proto. And I tried to do my best to make this working, but the customer returned the unit, say, I don't want that anymore. So uh, I said, okay, I, I keep working with my engineers. I found some angel investor. I, I raised some money to not enough to, to, to back to, to fly very high in technology, but at least to be able to proceed my research and development and to come to a, a, a project. And that was the time also Wayne State invested in my company uh, and they supported also Skypersonic. Um, uh, after that, uh, um, the story was was growing slowly in this market. In 2019, we got the first unit working. So could be used in the sewage and other stuff. And we got some customers in Italy, in Europe, in the United States, some nuclear customers, some water and sewage customers, and we started to work. And then in the end of 2019, the situation was almost to break even. So good because we were able to produce and sell that kind of very high level drones. Our drones is very expensive now. It's, uh, it's super expensive because it's a tool for industrial. And then, mm -hmm. uh, so by selling few, we were able to keep the company growing. Um, and then at the COVID, all right, right? The situation of the COVID was really a disaster for me. How, uh, how did COVID, you know, how did the whole pandemic, that was, like, that was my next question. Like, how did that affect your business? Were you able to like pivot your business strategy? How, how, how did that really affect the company? That was a, a real disaster at the beginning because uh, we had few engineers that were uh, coming from abroad and they couldn't keep their visa because of the, the COVID. So we need to have them come back in their original place uh, in lockdown. Uh, our customers said that we can't use the unit. Some customers, they couldn't operate because they were closed. And so we, we have a, a lack of revenue, a big lack of revenue immediately without able to sustain. My investors were in troubles because they were managing their business and their business were in troubles as well. So, and the, the most critical moment was I couldn't uh, as... Uh, so our drone is very complex. We need to train the customer how to use that. And we used to send a pilot or a trainer to train their pilots to become a pilot. With the COVID, we couldn't fly anymore. We couldn't go anywhere. And so how to train the, the already customers, they, they need to use this unit. 
And it was a problem for me because I had one of the customers we have is a Saudi customer. They order many units and they needed to work with that. And we couldn't fly there. Say how we can do that. And so I, I got this idea was because I was really worried about the company. The situation was really close to, 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 to fall apart. And then I said, if we invent something to, to fly the unit remotely from anywhere in the world, Mm. Will be fine because I can train the customer directly. I will ship to the customer just a transmitter, and he can train. He can learn how to fly even remotely. Uh, and so we, we, I call my. I remember that day. I called my two software firmware engineers. They were in lockdown in their house, small house. I say you don't have nothing to do, right? So because you you cannot. Uh, so please let's work together, three of us. Let's start to to code. Every every hours for the next three months, twenty hours per day. Don't forget forget the problem. Let's do this because in three months we gotta have a software operative available. So this software have a server part because all the the, the software is located to a, a clouds and then some master part, the slave part, the hardware connected to the drone. It's a kind of complex things. Guarantee the bandwidth, guarantee the latency. So a lot of work to be done in three months. And then once we had some good clue that the, the software is coming well with a good latency and we did some testing house, I tried to find a customer or someone interested to that. Immediately, the, the government of Italy decided that the Turin city, the mayor of city of Torino, decided to acquire two units for their policemen to use as a sanitizer for the sanitification. We put a oh, small kind of... Oh, so Sanit using the drone to sanitize like areas? Yes, indoor oh. places. And then how to train their policemen, their, 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 their officer, they learned how to fly in Transoceanic. They flew our drone in Detroit from Torino. And they advertised that. Uh, and we get a lot, a tremendous amount of uh, advertisement in Italy. We were wow. in the national uh, newspaper and so, oh, it's the fantastic scientific drones. Uh, you can fly from anywhere. And that opened the door to, to grow because at that moment we got really visible. And then, um, and then uh, these, uh, these large drones uh, corporation, which called a red cat uh, that uh, acquired also fat shark, which is another important brand for drones. Fat yes. Shark makes the goggles. The yes, correct. We were using the Fat Shark goggles in a, already. So talking with them, I say, "Why well, we we can join you? We can keep the process with you becoming a, a public company." So what what happened there? That uh, they tested the technology, they loved it, and they acquired us, uh, not to to stop but to grow. So uh, and then I'm an officer, obviously the corporation, and then we were able to get to Nasdaq. And wow. to become public, uh, and that occurred just in uh, a few months ago, and that from that moment everything changed. So we have the resources, we have the capability to grow, we have the possibility. I'm not saying that the, it's easy; it's still very complex, mm -hmm. a lot of difficulties as always that. But but it's, it, it, we, we now we can fly. 
How, so when you were acquired by Red Cat Holdings, um, how did they approach you? Uh, I'm just curious, you know, how did they really like talk to you and offer Did they just offer to buy your company or how did that process go? Uh, basically, it was a kind of different. At that time, they were not yet public. They needed to acquire the best technology in the world. Their dream is that, right? To become uh, the, the US drone, uh, the largest player uh, in the drone technology. So I, I, think, uh, I think I knew... Uh, Fat Shark CEO because I was this guy is from Michigan <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and so I knew him uh, it was a good relation with him and I approached him and said hey do you think we can uh, we can cooperate we're already working together we're using your technology we're using your shark bite we're using your uh, uh, HTO2 so and say yeah so let's let's build this together and then from that we started the relationship we showed the co- and then the, the, the holding decided to to offer us an offer and then we, we accepted and we, we, we went forward. That's incredible. No, no, I'm glad. And we, so in like NASDAQ listed companies or in, in the world in general, who, who do you say is the biggest player in like drone technology, like cutting edge at the, at the forefront of it? Would you say? I, I, frankly speaking, I don't know. For me, Nasdaq is a new market. I never get inside. I, you know, I, I didn't know nothing about before this acquisition. So I studied that. And I don't know really the dynamics, how they work. My uh, primary role is to lead the technology, to lead the industrial technology for these things. And, and I believe, regardless if they are in Nasdaq or they are not in Nasdaq, there are many new code that they have a lot of uh, they could have a tremendous uh, future even also because the market of the drones is larger than you can think because it's not only outdoor or not only for aerophotogrammetry of stuff but there are many industrial inspection law enforcement indoor applications so the drone can really solve so many problems since the technology is, is evolving becoming smaller and lasting more time in flight time and becoming more autonomous. So I, I, I do see really in the next future, some smaller balls that are flying everywhere by themselves and with a very smart camera, with the AI on board, they can handle some, some decision-making. Obviously that could be also scaring because they're uh, autonomous unit, but technology is not scary in my opinion. The technology is an, uh, an evolution, natural evolution of the, of the human uh, brain, right? So, we, so that's what I what I see. Uh, I don't know if there are. Obviously, we, we know that the the biggest company in the world of drone in this moment is DJI, which is a DJI. A, a DJI. They started this market and they are keeping uh, firmly their their the market. But at the same time, there are so many other new co super strong, and then the market will will, will enlarge. So just curious, like, where do you see the whole in, in, in five, 10, 20 years, what's your, in your opinion, what's the forecast you see drone technology, like it, like, for, for example, like I see it as just being part of our day-to-day lives. Um, Do you think we'll eventually just have like a smart city where there's a, a layer in the sky, there's airspace where it's just for drones like what's your opinion where that'll be in, uh, in it's already something that is in evolution at the government level of the uh, federal uh, aviation agencies level they're thinking how the world will change with the drones 
uh, insertion, so in particular autonomous drone. I do see that in the cities, you will have uh, airways, so small lines just for the drones to carry a small package to bring some stuff, to inspect some things, because the drones doesn't see any obstacle. It can, it can fly anywhere. So I see this in five years, uh, again, a smaller, but very long lasting um, uh, flight time for the cities for the situation where you have to deliver some bigger stuff. I don't see drones in terms of manned drones because we already have helicopter. Maybe the helicopter will evolve in a sort of quadcopter, but it's still a, a, a concept we, we are used to know. The, the total available market just in the worldwide, just in the, in the water and sewage industrial market is about $15 billion. Wow. So 15 billion is a lot just in that market. Uh, and there are situations that there is no solution in, uh, right now. So the drone will uh, open a new areas of drone. So I see that, that drones use in many industrial environments where there are risks there, you prefer to have a machine instead to have a, a human there. And the last important concept that the people are seeing uh, evolving rapidly is the artificial intelligence that now is kind of cloud-based because it's connected inside the server so you can use to recognize objects to identify situation to classify analysis uh, some uh, some videos some footages whatever to obtain a, to extract the information from the video what the, this is the, the the use in this moment also in the, in the information technology is a great advantage to use neural network. I see in the future, and uh, 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 I don't know if the word works in English, an embeddedization, so a customization mm. of this uh, AI chip that uh, will become on board of the drone. And they will have a, a, a very strong capabilities in terms of, term of cognitive capabilities. So AI concept started uh, a while ago, mm. but uh, there were not enough resources to expand this concept uh, um, to the level that now we are able to do. That was the, the, the idea. And the idea was pretty simple. Let's copy the biological brain. We know how the biological brain works, is structured. Let's create an alternative, a similar structure, but in a, in a technology. And then we think the cognitive uh, performances will will come out by themselves because the structure is the same and the comp the concept worked the concept worked because the the first starting testing of that the the main demonstrated that 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 is a good idea now uh, you can find cheaper with one, one million of neurons embedded when i started to work in this market in this in this technology area at my in the uh, ai master degree yeah i i, I use a, a neural network with 30 neurons and to train that network in uh, in a petrochemical plants uh, for analysis of the gases uh, i used to wow. a very big computer at that time for weeks just for the training now you can train a network in uh, in a day and the network can have uh, millions of thousands of millions of parameters 
wow. which means kind of a neural uh, parameter to see how intelligence is the network. So I see that also in the future as a, as a, as evolving market. So my question is, is, and you kind of touched on this before, but who is your ideal customer, and who who is your like exact target that you'd like to get? You mentioned you have sewage, nuclear power plants, industrials. The the typical best customer for us, he who needs to um, inspect or maintenance critical infrastructures that requires a lot of care. And right now it's using human or additional or different kind of very expensive approach. Uh, and this customer can have the beneficial to use a unit that can by itself not only make the inspection, but make the reporting, necessary reporting to show if any anomalies are present. Uh, so mm -hmm. this is the target. Could be, you know, um, um, DOTs, uh, um, water and switch authorities, the um, uh, nuclear, uh, commercial nuclear um, companies, uh, um, manufacturing plant, oil and gas, energy, all this kind of stuff where there is any equipments inside, you can inspect that. You got to inspect that. It's not you can. You have to do in some situation every year. So yeah. having something you can do by itself with some small support uh, is going to be the, the target customer. Wow. And just curious, like, what are some areas, for example, you would say that are like difficult to inspect and maintenance? Let's say energy is a big topic these days. Let's say like nuclear power plant. Um, what are some areas where it's like, you know, impossible or, or very difficult to inspect um, that you know of? Yeah, the, 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 the standard logic of every person immediately understand nuclear plants, for instance, there are radiation there, they are not safe for human. And it is the one of the most immediately uh, idea you can go. But in addition to that, think about boilers, uh, chemical, chemical tanks, sewage. Underground, there is a lot of uh, situation. You need to see how many debris, how many water, many, all the situation. In some area, you cannot access at all. Uh, so these are absolutely the the target the the, mm. the the place of the suitable place of the I would say maybe starting from the the simpler one water and sewage there are millions of kilometers of miles of uh, water and sewage everywhere and we already received so many requests to, to inspect that inside and we are able to do that uh, super easy because the drone fly from from the top go inside the main hall, manage all the sewage and come back. And so do you fly these, like, is it GPS controlled or is it strictly manual or, or how, how does how does that work? It's a combination of many things. First of all, if you go in a sewage, you don't have any GPS available, clearly. So, or you have to create a sort of GPS, what we have done with a, um, a patent they call Skylock, is recreating a positioning um, uh, a sensor that is able to provide an absolute position of the drone inside the sewage. But the flying inside, since the water is assisted by a computer in terms to keep the center of the sewage, uh, managing the altitude, the distance from the walls, but you yeah. still need a pilot, a FPV pilot. I believe that uh, in this moment, uh, a drone is, a, is a just a tool. You need a, a, an expert person 
to handle that, which is not just a, a, a racer drone pilot that goes in, but requires a, a, a training to understand all the elements needed to perform that inspection because it's risky. It's a kind of combination between a airline pilot, a commercial pilot, with an inspector because you gotta you gotta uh, write a, a flight plan, entry point, landing, and taking off from mm. uh, we kind of disturbance, we kind of contingencies plan that you gotta have if it's any problem, battery life. So you gotta think about that and then which is the target of inspection, where you have to go, you have to plan that in advance. And this is a training. So we created a, a, um, a consortium called ASIP, American Society of Industrial Indoor Professional Pilots, and we certified wow. pilots for industrial inspection, which is completely different from FAA pilot because they have to fly indoor. Indoor, you, you are not required to have any license to fly indoor but it's still a flight. So we promote this, we generate the certificate of piloting, uh, and then we decertificate our customers as the ability to have an insurance for this, for this, uh, for the unit. And we already, I think we certified the more than 50 pilots in this moment with this, uh, with this uh, customer pilots, with this um, uh, ASIP certificate. Wow. What was the association name you said? Uh, that's American uh, Society of Indoor Professional Pilot. Okay. Wow. And then uh, it's um, it's a private en entity that uh, the work done just uh, provide all the training and information and the certification to certify a pilot able to fly with any indoor unit manually. So will be obviously simulators, 3D simulators to simulate that inspection. Transoceanic or remote piloting testing, and then a bunch of uh, of uh, theoretical study about how to perform an inspection, what is important to see, the safety, the maintenance, uh, everything connected to that. I believe this is a new profession. We'll we'll, we'll go there. Many uh, people working in a, in the industrial inspection, they can become pilots instead to go there directly. They can use the drone. They can learn how to use the unit. And I like this because we are creating with the, in our small world a new a new career, which is the, the drone industrial pilot. Wow. That's incredible. I love it. Make, making uh, making new career paths and, and jobs. Uh, so question for you. So this is kind of a little bit jumping around, but in your mind, what separates a CEO from your employee? Like what's what in your opinion is is the difference there? CEO by employees. In in my case, or generally, my feeling about the CEO and employees. Your feelings, your general feeling, just what whatever your thoughts are. CEO is a. I don't know if you if you know in Italy, CEO is not an employee by law, so cannot be an employee. In US, you can be an employee of the company. In, in Italy, you cannot be employed by the company as a, a W-2 employee. You have to be a different, just to make there is a difference. I would say the difference is that the, the CEO has to be the guy that shows the path to the other, that has a vision and is able to, to make this vision available to everybody and to make everybody love the vision. So have to be a person that's able to spread a loving for something. 
spread that 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 interest. Otherwise, your team will be never passionate for that. And in some situation, the CEO is someone is a visionary, someone that uh, live in something that is not real. So already believe that that his company is already, a, 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 I say, a, a Wall Street company, even if it's still a startup. And it, it, it operates and acts by believing that it's true, it's real. And the people will see, this is strange. We're not, we're not there. We will get there. So that's the CEO. It's showing the path. It's showing the, the direction. That's the, the, main, the main object of a CEO, showing the path to everybody and executing that path together. Amazing. No, I, I totally, I totally uh, like agree with that. And in your, in your, like what, so you being CEO, what would you say the vision of um, your company, Skyper Sonic is? And, what, and if you could tell us, you know, where do you want to be in that vision? And, and also how big would you like to scale your, your vision and, and your business as well? We like to, to lead the, this new era of, uh, of new robotic intelligence with AI and neuromorphic computing on board in the critical infrastructure inspection. That's what we want, or law enforcement application. We want to be the company that uh, leads this, this approach. Industrial inspection, support to the, to the people in indoor, so inside, not in the outdoor. This is our, my, my vision for the company, leading uh, in our market, obviously, this new era, we are trancing all together uh, in this new world. Wow. Okay. And so, so another question, and uh, we just have a few more minutes here, but just wanted to ask. So, if you could talk to your younger self, what would you tell your younger self? Say, Giuseppe, 18 years old, 20, early 20s. What would you, if you could talk to yourself today, what would you tell yourself? It's a very interesting question. And frankly speaking, when I was about 15, 16, I had the same idea. I was thinking what the older Giuseppe will tell me, would tell me if I, may, if I will meet him. Since I was, you know, at 15 years old, you, you, you love the, the space, the aerospace. I was thinking the space time and say, okay, maybe uh, I can meet my older Giuseppe. And I did a very stupid thing at the time, I believe, stupid. I went to a library uh, in Italy, and then I took a, a, a book, Landau, a very important book for physics related to relativistic uh, uh, approach. And I said, maybe I write here uh, an appointment with my Giuseppe, myself, in 30 years. And I will write down in this book, which is stored in this library, the appointment, the time, and the place. So we're going to meet there. And I put a week, say, next week, Giuseppe, we have to meet with you again here uh, uh, in this place. Giuseppe of 30 years further, right? Because I see if Giuseppe will read this by, because well, it's a book he, he will love in the future. Well, and, 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 and I put in the book and, and left him, writing with a, with a permanent market, which shouldn't be done, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, in a, in a, in a covered set of the library. And then uh, when the appointment came, I didn't go. Because I said, if I go and I met someone, I would be considered foolish for everybody. If I go and nobody came, I will be kind. So I prefer to not go. So it was a strange thing. But to answer to your question, yes, I think that uh, 
uh, as a young person, uh, you have to follow your intuitive uh, thoughts. Because when you are super young, when I was young, I was having so many ideas, so many, uh, you know, patients. Uh, and then sometimes you, other people say, no, you don't have to do that. This is too difficult. This is not possible. Better do that. And I will suggest to myself, uh, follow your heart, follow what you love in terms of, of uh, technology or passion. Because we'll never, we'll never, we'll give you the truth, we'll, 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 we'll give you the right path if you follow really what you love. Because uh, I, I think the love in, in, in the brain, it's a sort of intuition of, the re of what you can do really. So your thoughts that you love, you are passionate about that. It's the real thought you have to follow because they will bring you in, in what you want. So that's what I would say uh, to follow your heart. And what would you say you've demonstrated your super passion about everything you do, but what would you say your true passions are when it comes to your work? To my work? Uh, Naturally, I, I'm passionate for all the technology, whatever can go beyond the limit, whatever can show something that we'll never know, whatever that is not yet done, whatever. I, 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 I like a, a, a quote from uh, Rita Leon Montalcini, who was a, a, an important uh, scientist in, 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 in Italy. She died, uh, I like, 100 years ago. And then she said, the human is imperfect. Our imperfection is the best because thanks to this imperfection, we evolved it this way. If you are fine and you have everything, whatever you want, you cannot evolve at all because you have what you want. But in the moment, in our imperfection, we still want something else. We still want to achieve something we don't have yet. And that brought us from uh, the, the cave area to now. So I, uh, this is my, my feeling. I love it. That's incredible. And just a couple other questions. So what you, and you touched on this a little bit, but what is your favorite book? Oh, uh, A Journey at the Center of the Heart of Jules Verne. I don't know if you read that book. Uh, I've seen the movie, A Journey to the Center yeah, of the Earth. I, 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 when I was young, I, I read this book multiple times. Uh, when I was eight up to, even when I was 20. Uh, because, you know, it's a story that you go in a place that you don't believe there is so many things inside uh, and then you get from one place to get out from another place. So that was the love because it was opening my fantasy and my creativity uh, a lot. All the Jules Verne books were, were very interesting for me. I don't know if it's still in, in vogue now. I don't know if there are young generations still reading this kind of old books or there are some, something different. Wow. Yeah. It, yeah. Reading these days, it, it, you know, it doesn't seem too common, but uh, yeah. So another quick question. So this is, these are a little bit random, but what is your favorite car? Um, I don't have a favorite car. I love the electrical car because from efficiency point of view, even I know we're in Detroit, motor town, everybody will tell, oh, no, you are the motors, the run, the noise of the engine. <laughs> I, I get it, sure. 
but you know, I'm aerospace guy, not more uh, automotive guy. So I love the the efficiency in the sense of the uh, uh, so the electrical car has that uh, is silent, doesn't have any problem. I I do like Tesla in the concept of Tesla because it's a concept that is changing the attitude of the people. Um, so I like that car. I don't have any Tesla, so I never draw one. So maybe in the future. I'll get one, but that is my favorite car. Yeah, and I would say I agree with you. Yeah, definitely the the electric vehicles, um, kind of. Uh, yeah, also my favorite too. Yeah, Motor City. It's it's funny. It, you know, might be called Electric City someday. Who knows? Um, Who knows? Yeah, and they have a very strong acceleration. They don't require brakes. They don't require uh, um, a lot of stuff inside. They were lighter. Um, they are good also in the in the inertia or because they are very stuffed with the battery and the, so there are so many good things um, that the electrical car will bring also to the automotive production market. No pollution, <laughs> also that. And then one one more question for you. And your what's your favorite place to live and also vacation? Uh, as a vacation. I love the place where is the sea and it's something strange. One place that I, I, I like a lot is uh, Stromboli. Do you know where is Stromboli? I don't. I've heard of it. Where, where Stromboli, is Stromboli? Stromboli is, the, is a Vulcan island in Italy near Sicily. It's Aeolian islands. It's super nice. Uh, it's a very beautiful seaside. Uh, black, completely black because it's volcanic. And it's just this ginormous Vulcan. And all the people there. It's a small island, very peaceful, um, and you can reach that with a. And this is the same island where um, uh, where many fantasy book uh, um, started. That that this was an object for 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 uh, sci-fi, uh, you know, books and stuff. I, that could be a favorite book or any island that is you know, beautiful with beaches and with the with with the with with the sea. With the hot, I, I don't like much the cold, frankly speaking. I prefer something. Yeah, Michigan does get quite a bit, uh, a little bit chilly, and uh, unfortunately, more of a winter state. But yeah, yeah. not always. So just in the, just in the, um, in the winter time. But in any case, there are some beneficial because in the winter time you don't have construction. No. As someone told me, Michigan has construction season and winter season. <laughs> Just two seasons. Yep, construction and winter. That's kind of a yeah ongoing joke here. Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, you know, Giuseppe. You know, thanks for being on. Appreciate you know coming onto the channel. Thanks for sharing all that great information. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Are there any last you know closing remarks you'd like to tell the viewers or anything else you'd you'd like to to close on with? No, thank you very much. It was a very nice time. I will remark it just again that the follow the patient, follow your your loving patient, whatever you love in terms of professional things, because there will be for sure a guarantee you can be successful there. And that concludes our interview. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the Iron Skies community. You can support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash iron skies, and I'll leave a link in the description. As always, stay happy, healthy, and wise, and keep hustling. Never stop believing in your dreams. Never stop believing in your vision, and we'll see you next time.